to The Coaching Podcast, Coach for Success in Sport and Business. Damo, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, great, thanks. Great. I love the fact that I'm tuning in from Colorado and you're in Tasmania. No, I am in bloody freezing Tasmania. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is super hot here in Colorado. It's an absolutely gorgeous evening. So, uh, good morning. Yes, good morning and good evening to you. Um, Where the hell have you been, Em? (laughs) Well, summer, as in the American summer, has been wonderful. And yeah, just returned back from Europe and really excited to bring Bethany Maddox-Sands interview here with us uh, this morning, this evening. Bethany uh, Maddox-Sands. Yes. So she's an American uh, professional tennis player, for those of you who don't know her. To be honest, beyond her credentials she's just an awesome person and really walks her her talk so uh, i'm really excited about you know discussing her answers on on our show well let's have a listen i'm emma doll here with bethany so great to have you on the show thanks <laughs> Thank so much you. for joining me we're, we're at eastbourne here the first question is the vegemite question you either love it or you hate it hate what's it. your take hate it okay i don't even think about that okay i've tried it though listen i will say i have tried it because i won't say i hate something that i haven't tried uh terrible though i don't how do you guys like this yeah i don't i really we love it it's something that you give the babies i think and then you just develop a taste for it because i've tried it a couple times with avocado i've had people make it different ways and Terrible. All right. So because you answered that way, the first question is your worst coaching moment. Okay. You know, I, I think for coaches, it's over coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, the coaches I've worked with, I kind of know me pretty well. And they know that that's one thing that I don't like. Mm-hmm. But I've practiced against players who they're just talking nonstop points, yeah, it's almost it almost gets to me. I've turned yeah, around yeah. to my my squad, just I'm like, is this guy gonna shut yeah, up? Like, so I can yeah, 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 so we can practice. Yeah, but yeah. Awesome. I just think there's a point where you want to give your player mm-hmm. cues, but you also want them to figure out and feel things for themselves because mm-hmm. otherwise they really won't own it. If they're just doing things you mm-hmm. say, when push comes to shove, they don't own it yet. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a time to to coach, and then there's a time to let them figure out. Maybe. And maybe your 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 player likes a little bit more coaching. I would ask them more questions and get get them to answer things so that they can start feeling it for themselves out there. I think you know I know when I play a lot of players that constantly look at their coaches for feedback mm-hmm. on what they're doing. I you know I want I want players out there to really be out there playing for themselves and yeah. figuring it out. Obviously we're out there by ourselves and yeah. our, our coaches are really important for us. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know until you can own a lot of the strategies you have, yeah. a lot of your technical cues. Singing to my coaching philosophy there. Thank there we you. Go. Thank no you. No problem. You. you can hear me later. Um, yeah. So this, the second question is a sliding doors question. Oh man. Well, the one that shifted my career was when I got injured, went down at Wimbledon, and I had a ton of momentum. I was number one in the world. Lucy and I had just won three Grand Slams in a row. I was winning a gold medal. I had a quote on Instagram that says, "You know, you can choose your attitude. It doesn't matter your circumstances." And that was before I was injured. And I was like, "Shit, I had like." I gotta man up or woman up and yeah, like yeah, yeah. focus on this yeah. because Thank you, I know no 100 percent. I actually have a woman up shirt and I love it. Uh, but you know, it's it was a moment that I I really had to decide for myself how I was going to approach the next couple months. And for me, the biggest thing that I took away was not thinking about coming back to tennis. That was too far away. I would have actually been really upset if that was my goal. I had to have smaller goals than small that. Steps. So I yeah. feel like in this process, I've learned to appreciate my, the smaller goals that I've had, the smaller achievements. And 
you know, those those wins and those trophies and those gold medals, they really only come here mm-hmm. and there. And if those mm-hmm. are the only things that are going to make us happy or proud mm-hmm. of ourselves, mm-hmm. there's a lot of life in between that. And so I've really focused on diving into my tennis a little bit more, loving playing, just loving competing, loving working on that small percentage to get better. And that's like where I'm getting a lot of joy versus just saying, oh, I'm going to be happy when I get back on the court. I'm going to be happy when I'm back to top 10. I'm going to be yeah. happy when I'm holding the trophy. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's probably my biggest takeaway. Yeah. So far. Brilliant. In, <laughs> love it. In one, one of many. In one to a maximum of three words. Yes. What do you think makes a great coach? The three qualities. Energy. Reading, reading energy. Mm-hmm. Their energy, reading energy. Yeah. Brilliant. And yeah. finally, our last question is where we ask you to ask us a question. What sparks your curiosity? I think, oh, what questions would I ask back? For me, and actually this is one of the reasons I've really liked working with Jared, who's on the road with me now, is we have these very deep conversations while we're practicing. So much of what we learn on the tennis court is applied to life and mm-hmm. vice versa. Mm-hmm. And there's so many times where I've made mm-hmm. comments and I've given myself my own quotes on the tennis court. And I'm like, I'm just going to apply that in general to my life. And I'm going to apply it to my volleys too. But I, I like expanding a little bit deeper than just forehands and backhands. For me, I think it's interesting to dig a little bit deeper than that to get more detailed. I, I think at this point in my career, you know, at one point you have to learn the technique. You've got to learn certain basic strategies and practice that. But then after that, I've really enjoyed digging down into detail, like small minute details. What can I do better? Can I shift my split step a little bit more? Can I, my body weight shifting when I'm changing directions? And, I, and I've watched videos of myself too and, and making adjustments. And I think one of the things that I'll have to say for me is I'm really open to change. I think a lot of players get stiff when something has worked for them in the past and maybe it's not ideal now, but they're too attached to it. And that's one thing that working with coach for me, working with coaches that are open to that as well. Hey, if there's a better way to do it, if there's a better string, if there's a better way to hit my forehand, if there's a better grip change, like I'm willing to at least try yeah. it, give myself yeah. a little room to fail yeah. and then see if it is better. It's yeah. not, I can always go back to what I was yeah. doing, but I think having that openness and being open with a coach that might, you know, you got to tell them, Hey, I might miss the next 25 returns, but I'm trying something new right yeah, now because yeah, yeah. uh, this is what I'm feeling. Yeah. So I think I really appreciate those conversations with my coaches. And yeah. again, Jared and I yeah. have a lot of those. And how to change and what are the one percenters that you're doing to yeah, to, yeah make that to make that improvement. And it's if you can make a one or two percent change yeah. improvement all across the board, that's a big percentage actually. So, yeah. um, but the, for me, I, I like diving into those details. So I'm, yeah. I'm kind of that person in general off the court too. Yeah. But that's what I've uh, looked for in a coach. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to watch you play this weekend. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Keep doing what you're doing. You're the best. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> so Vegemite, I love the fact that she's tried it. Of course, yeah. uh, she certainly gives just about anything a go. And uh, and then, of course, leading straight into that question, which is a coaching moment that mm. doesn't go so well. Mm. Over coaching, Dano. Yeah. Talk yeah. to me. What are your thoughts on over coaching? Well, I just think that's a tough penalty to pay for not liking Vegemite. But anyway. <laughs> over coaching. It's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah I think we've all, obviously we've all seen it, and sometimes I think we we. We get to that point where we ask ourselves, uh, you know, is that something that I'm doing right now? And I guess the thing is, is is the athlete receptive to what I'm saying? You know, coaching is not a, it's not a performance in in terms of there's no audience. You know, you need to make sure that what you're saying 
has the effect, and it's always the effect that we're after, not 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 to, to do the process of coaching, but to get the effect. Which is the real why behind why we do what we do, isn't it? And it's that self-reflection on knowing why 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 am I doing this? And you know, she says it quite pr- plainly in in three words: know your player. Oh, um, yeah. I and, think that's a huge thing, though. Isn't it? Isn't yeah. it? Because, because um, when you when no, you do sorry. know your player, yeah. No, I was going to say when you do know your player, of course, there's plenty of coaches, successful coaches out there that are quite direct in their communication and yeah. do a lot of information. Yeah. yeah. Um, and certainly, you know, I I know that that is exactly where I used to live, yeah. more so in the I call it chapter one of my of my coaching career. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, yeah, for me, what I really picked up on her answer to that first question is just the fact that. When you ask questions and when you really know your player, then they can own it. Yeah, I think that's the thing that we're all driving for is that ownership. And um, I used to call it cellular belief. Uh, in other words, if you are, you know, strangled and tortured and boiled and baked, you know, do you still believe, you know, this sort of thing? It's, it, and, you know, great. Great performances require cellular belief because if you lose if you lose that it becomes uphill and not only do you have to sort of uh, accomplish the task but you've also got to you also end up co- as an athlete you end up coaching yourself to your coach's message so it doesn't become your message to yourself yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's that same concept of how can we make ourselves redundant well that's an interesting thing and this overcoaching idea I think is um, it bears more thought because on the surface it's like, oh, you know, overcoaching no good. But, you know, on the one hand, the athlete mostly chooses the coach. And mm, as I say that, I'm thinking, is that actually true? And pro- actually probably not. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think a lot of athletes end up in teams with coaches that they're not all that happy with. But I, would, I would definitely agree with that. Maybe on an individual um in an individual sport, they do have the uh, ability to be able to choose their coach. So you've got that part of it. But the other thing is, is that, you know, some coaches take the approach that this is what you've bought. This is why you're with me because of the style I coach or, or, or this type of thing. And then um, other coaches are more based and it's become quite popular, the, the athlete-centered coaching, <laughs> which to me is just coaching. But anyway... Yeah. Like who else are you coaching? Yeah, but but it, it's kind of looking at at the athlete and um, being able to sort of accommodate uh, their their needs more than yours. So um, I guess I guess that there are certainly very famous tennis coaches out there and swimming coaches and this sort of thing. Uh, and I heard a wonderful interview with Laurie Lawrence. I don't know how old it was, but I guess it's only a few years old. Uh, and he was he was just full of enthusiasm and all that. And I just began to think you wouldn't want to go into his pool not sure about what you wanted to do. So in other words, if you chose him as your coach, then he would you know that's you chose that you chose that package. And so the overcoaching thing, yeah. Look, it's all about effectiveness, but there's also an athlete's choice. But I'm 100% with you. I mean, if the athlete doesn't own own the uh, coaching points, then they're not going to stand up under pressure. Mm, mm. 
couldn't have said it better myself. Mm. No, I couldn't agree more. On I've that. seen that. I've seen that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, especially under pressure. Uh, yeah, the, the the players that I've seen that have just been told and told and told what to do. Yep. Um, you know, it, the emotional response under stress mm. is significant to where it's almost like they behave in a way that's that other people might say, "Well, that's not them." Right. When it is them, it's just them uh, communicating in a way under high stress, saying, "I don't know what I'm doing." Yeah. No, I get that. Mm. I get that. And you know, the question that a coach needs to ask themselves is, you know, why am I having to tell them over and over again? Why, you know, where is the resistance and be able to sort of talk about where they're resistant to being able to ingest this coaching point or this this type of thing? Are they unaware? Because, you know, often that, are they just not motivated? Uh, you know, there, there could be lots of different reasons, but telling them over and over again is not coaching. Coaching is where we were looking for performance change. Yeah, unlocking potential. Yeah, mm. and leveling up. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get to that, that, that yeah. American, beautiful American expression. Uh, so the next question was the sliding doors question. Mm. And, and we hear in the interview, you can hear it in her voice, that she does walk or talk or she's even confronted with the fact that, hey, you know what, if I'm going to post on Instagram, that you choose your attitude, it doesn't matter your circumstances, yep. then, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm facing a career-threatening injury here and really um, I love warming up, you know, yeah. that yeah. you step up to the plate. And, Absolutely. You know, a lot of us put a lot of stuff out there on, on, on social media and, you know, be positive and be the best version of yourself possible and, and um, sometimes that can be a fake world but when you actually – as somebody who has a moral compass, I think, and you, you know, as coaches, I think that's really important that when we can walk our talk and live our own philosophies. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's again another coaching trait that is really important. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. Sorry for being distracted, but there's a whale outside my window. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> a whale has just swum by. <laughs> I love that. But I love she does. That. She does come across that way, doesn't she? Yeah. I, that was my first. Was my first thing. This this girl is a hundred percent aligned. Yeah. She you is. know, between what she's thinking and what she's doing, and, and that sort of thing, and then to be able to sort of talk about the the overcoming the injury and how getting back to tennis was just going to be too big a stretch, and yeah. to be able to set those smaller goals and the life. The life off the court as well, I think, you know, balanced athletes, seeing things in perspective. Uh, yeah. Wonderful idea. Yeah. yeah, and even, you know, what there's plenty of things that make you happy and proud. You oh. know, often like I am a tennis player is attached to your identity, isn't it? So mm. all of a sudden that gets, you know, thrown out the window and, and you need to redefine it. I love chunking. I love smaller steps. Um, to get yeah. back, a lot of a lot of time you think, oh, you have to have that vision of getting back. Well, no, you don't. No. Um, you know, which really comes out in the rest of the interview about being flexible too. Yeah, well, I think not not so much. In, uh, she didn't uh, indicate this in her interview, but I know for a lot of athletes, depression can follow, and so you know, this chunking and this sort of thing can can relate to just very small things. I've got to get out of bed. Uh, yeah. You know, my goal is to get to the rehab. I've got to 
you know, to do the rehab and to do this sort of thing. So there is this sort of idea that all athletes are self-motivated, all power to her. She's, she's got this, I'd say, incorporated philosophy. You know, she sees tennis and she sees that there are uh, lots of lessons behind tennis and she's prepared to do what she needs to do and enjoy the journey as well along the way. She's prepared to do what she wants to do to get better, but she's also um, looking at the journey along the way. Mm-hmm. Energy. In oh, one to a maximum of three words, what makes a great coach? Uh, energy, energy, energy. Then she changed it to two words, reading energy. So she was, and, and when in our discussion around that, post the interview, we, we were talking about not just your own energy, but obviously the energy of others and those that you coach and those around you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it's such an important concept. Uh, I, I really believe in, in this wholeheartedly and who, you know, who am I every day to my, to my players, to my athletes with my own energy, um, to my corporate clients when I show up, how am I being? And that's just a, that's before you even get on the call, then let alone sensing straight away, what are you feeling? What are you seeing? Um, what are you noticing in their energy to be able to, to really set the scene so that they can be responsive to two questions and to embedding great information. And I think energy is going to be the, one of the most important topics mm. in, in the future of coaching. What do you think? I, yeah, I completely agree. I think that um, the way in which we uh, interact with our athletes is so important. And so we can't ask them to go the extra mile or dig deep or something if, we, if we're not conveying that energy in our voice. And on the other hand, we need to be able to see if the athlete's receptive to what we've got to say. I think that that part of it is uh, sometimes missed, that we are just concerned with our part of the equation and sometimes we don't, we don't see or we're not receptive enough to the athlete's state. I think understanding this um, builds a really strong foundation and a deep relationship between the coach and the player. I think that uh, as the athletes get to know and trust the coach, and trust is a big issue, but as they get to trust the coach, there's a certain amount of predictability in the coach's message, and sometimes that can help the athlete. It's, uh, they know from which direction the coach is coming from because it's consistent with their message. So that stability and that predictability, to a certain extent, um, can be quite beneficial. I think the idea of also being flexible is extremely important, as she says. Flexibility and um, predictability or stability actually come from the same place. They're just, I guess, different directions from centre and wanting to improve the athlete. Sometimes the answers will be within our coaching knowledge and other times they'll be outside and we'll need to be able to have the um, confidence and flexibility to bring in other ideas and try them. Yeah, when you talk about the coach being predictable, it reminds me of an early experience I had uh, as a coach when I employed a mentor. I was in my low 20s and, you know, I paid $300 for one hour of this taekwondo coach of, of his time because he was very, very successful. And uh, he, he told me about the six human needs. And, and when he told me the first two, I was blown away because the first one is certainty and then the second one is uncertainty. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, hang on, that's 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 just hurt my hurt my brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Just um, you know, that absolute first human need being they know what they're going to get, they know what your philosophy is, they know what the structure of training is, the yep. vision, etc. But the next thing is that uncertainty in the flexibility in maybe you adapt the program, maybe you need to turn left, turn right, yep. tweak this, tweak that, yep. uh, you know, which really leads us into the to the final piece in this interview uh, where we ask her to reflect on what sparks her curiosity and, and what kind of questions um, Bethany's into. And so she first talks about being open to change. Mm. Is there a better way? Um, making those small, minute adjustments, you know, whether it be technically, tactically, from a mindset or physically, yeah. in the split step, um, you know, right across the board and, and just being open to that, to give it a go. And if it doesn't work, hey, yeah. you know, no problem, which, you know, really does feed into that, that second human need philosophy, doesn't it? And she does, she does um, mention that she lets people know, you know, if, if fragrance, like if she's trying to improve, a technical point that's not quite happening. This is why mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. This is why I'm doing this. I don't know. I don't know enough about her to say whether she's going to try that in maybe lower level matches or whether it's just in hitting or whatever. But the idea is, is that you know there is sort of that communication out there as well. But yeah, yeah, I I love that concept because how many times? I mean, I deal with a lot of um, athletes with with mindset programs as well. And so many times they like the, finding their voice, using their voice in a way that's actually uh, productive mm. so that they feel comfortable to actually share that with their coach without the coach feeling like they're challenging them. Yeah. Uh, that this is a, this is a, actually a bigger issue than, than even we as coaches realize. Yeah. Uh, because of the, maybe it's a, it's an aura or a power or a, Whatever it might be, but there's um, there's a lot of situations where the athlete just does not feel comfortable to say, you know what, I am going to try mm. this, and I might not share it with you. And and the minute they don't share it, mm. you know, it's certainly a, a recipe for disaster. I think. What are mm. your thoughts? So we have a concept of shu ha yu. Shu is where you follow your teacher, and this is really important. So the idea of challenging your teacher from a student perspective who is more or less at that shoe stage can be quite mm, difficult for them. I mean, there are all ways. When people talk to me, I I think about it as they're investigating and so I think about it as a good thing because it shows that, you know, they are trying to learn and own things in a way that it resonates with them. So heart is where you break. So with the understanding of your teacher's teachings, um, and then you add some of your own spice. You're not abandoning what you've learned, or you're not even abandoning your teacher, but there is a break. And then re is based upon the things that you've learned along the way, and then the idea that you are going to make uh, effective and insightful and correct, if you like that word, uh, decisions and um, insights into what you're doing. So that relationship, oh, that relationship dynamic 
um, can be at different stages with different people. So it's not like you personally are at that stage. It's more about you and that particular relationship are at that stage. So um, I think that from that point of view and from a student sort of, I wouldn't say challenging teacher, but sort of, you know, wanting to do new things. Personally, I find it as a, a positive because I feel that even if the things they want to do are not, I don't particularly find useful um, or, or think that they're going to be particularly effective. I, I like the fact that they're trying, which tends to, to me to talk about that there is an energy and a commitment to improve. And if the teacher also acts defensively to um, student wanting to sort of mention or try new things, then um, it can certainly backfire on the teacher. I think that a situation that I recently experienced was the um, a visit that I went to a club and I had the feeling that tonight was the night that I needed to push some of the senior guys. They have a really good group of senior guys, but they're not that senior, so there's quite a gap between them and myself. Anyway, so I went there looking looking to be able to, you know, just, just push these guys a bit and see or try to put them into a situation where they can realise some of their own shortcomings. So that, that worked out okay, except for one guy. One guy I, I was personally having trouble with. And then during sparring, I realised that the problem was my closed mindset. You know, my my mind my mindset was sort of fixed on being aggressive and and pushing this guy. But in actual fact, I couldn't see this having that mindset. I couldn't see the situation for what it was. And so, you know, when I look at that and I think about. The idea of uh, students asking questions and this sort of thing, you know, if we interpret it as a challenge or if we interpret it as, as something negative, then, you know, we are missing opportunity. And so, uh, like I said before, you know, I welcome that. And I think that that, that shows an engaged and um, uh, positive a positive relationship where the students can bring these sorts of things to coaches, but it does take quite a bit of courage, especially in a hierarchical system such as a martial art. Because I think as coaches, every time we step out on, on court or even you know in, in the workplace and, and coaching in the workplace, which I've been doing a lot more here in, in Colorado, is just the fact that we still have to be vulnerable and it's not you know the almighty that we have oh, all the answers. Well, I mean, we're students too. Exactly. Yeah, we are, as I like to say, servants of the game, but, I mean, we are students too. And in the hierarchical sense of uh, martial arts, you know, it, to break down that shoe-hardy uh, sort of ideal where the athlete can uh, discuss things with you in a in, you know, respectful way, I guess, but, you know, you'd hope that that happened in every, every um, sport, but um, it does take a lot of courage. And mm -hmm. it does it does sort of it, I guess it indicates I, I, I see big relationships in sport between uh, human development and uh, I often think of that type of thing as adolescence. 
people uh, you've been coaching and that sort of thing, and then they'll ask, why? <laughs> why am I doing this? Why am I doing that? But why? But why? But why? But yeah. why? Yeah. They might be 30 years old or something, yeah. but you know. Yeah. Or three. <laughs> yeah. But they've, yeah. they've just entered that sort of phase of their, their sporting a relationship where they want to know why and that sort of thing. And I, I welcome that. I think it's a good, it's a good, op, good yeah. coaching opportunity to be able to get, uh, to get in deeper. Yeah, and Bethany certainly highlights that it's one of her favourite parts of being coached and her relationship with her hitting um, partner, Jared. Yeah. Uh, you know, who they talk not just tennis, they talk life. Well, that, that really impacted me a lot um, because that's that's a big part of, um, I think of the purpose of sport and I think of, you know, the benefits of sport. And so when I hear things like that, I think that that means that, you know, it's it's um, it's coming from yourself. In other words, the enjoyment and and what you're getting out of it isn't necessarily just trophies and money Thank and titles. You begin mm. to see the parallels of life and sport and your achievements and what you had to do to get them and all that type of thing. And I think that that's where you that's where sport becomes massively uh, valuable. One of the reasons we connect. One of the reasons that we coach. And I think that. That is the reason why we're even here sharing just mm. thoughts and ideas yeah. off the back of uh, some some interviews. So we hope that everyone out there enjoys it. And as always, we'd like to close with a question. Uh, the question tonight is a, an adaptation of some of the concepts that Bethany talks about. And we've asked everyone here just to ponder what are the 1% to 2% changes that you can make in your coaching world? So reflect on that. Please send us your thoughts. And uh, Damo, as always, it's been an absolute honour and pleasure Thanks to you. discuss Bethany Maddox-Sands' interview with you. And for me too. Thank you so much. And thanks for bringing such a wonderful interview to us. I really got a lot out of that. Uh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you to Bethany. Our guest today was Bethany Maddox-Sands. She's an American professional tennis player and Olympic gold medalist. She's won nine Grand Slam titles in tennis, five in women's doubles and four in mixed doubles and is the former world number one in doubles. She's got a great personality. She's a delight to watch and uh, please follow her on Instagram at Matic Sands is her tag. And I had the pleasure of chatting with our guest coach today. He is one of my mentors and he is my Yoda coach. His name is Damien Carmody Stevens and he's the former Australian national kendo coach which is Japanese sword fighting and he's still coaching today down in Tasmania both in the dojo and in the business world. Uh, thank you so much everybody for listening to the coaching podcast. My name's Emma Doyle and I'm a global speaker and performance coach helping you unleash your potential. My website is emmadoyle.com.au Thanks also to Simon Blair for this opportunity to bring you this fantastic episode.